Welcome in, everybody, to the second edition of the On Clock Podcast. My name is Jordan DeJani. I am joined with Kevin, Bo- or joined by Kevin Boylard. And we are quite literally just getting off the clock because the second episode of Hard Knocks Los Angeles featuring the Rams and the Chargers just wrapped up. And, you know, we thought this was a nice time to kind of come on and talk about that because. First off, it's not like Hard Knocks is the favorite show of everybody right now, especially when COVID-19 is ruling the world. And the other fact is that this this season is centered around the two teams in Los Angeles. And guess what? Right now, game one of the 2020 West Western first round NBA playoff series against the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers is on. And let me tell you, there's everyone in the world thinks that's a lot more interesting than what's going on in the world of NFL right now. But Kevin Boylard, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing fine. Was that a direct reaction to uh, your Twitter Twitter interaction? Because I couldn't get anything to move the needle during Hard Knocks, and I'm assuming that's because of the other sports just piling on on top of Hard Knocks right now. Yeah, you're 100% right, actually. Like, the most interactions I've ever gotten off Twitter – um, is from Hard Knocks. Like the, the most famous tweet I ever had was Bob Wiley, who's this really fat offensive line coach. His stomach moving up and down. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. That thing got clip. over a million views. I was on. I was in the New York Post, NFL.com, because of that dumb tweet. And and then last week there was some kind of interesting clips that you know we were able to put on Twitter, and it got some good. You got a tweet stolen I'm last week. In yeah. Oh, NFL update. Yeah, I hope you're listening to this. We got mad beef. But I was actually in TMZ last week. Really? TMZ took one of my – yeah, that, so that was interesting. I didn't realize I'd be in TMZ. So that was kind of cool. But, but yeah, let's talk about Hard Knocks a little bit because, you know, as we already mentioned, we're truly in an unprecedented offseason. And I, I don't want to diss on the creators too hard because they are way more talented than I am and they can do stuff I literally cannot think of. And it's a hard job to be able to come up with an entire show around – two NFL teams who are trying to conduct a normal training camp preseason, whatever you want to call it in the midst of a pandemic. So what are your thoughts so far just on the first two episodes? Well, you laid it out pretty smoothly there with saying that it's in the midst of a pandemic. I think what I alluded to earlier, all the sports are happening at once right now. Normally, Hard Knocks is in August. We're a little sports starved. Uh, Yeah, maybe the baseball playoff race is heating up at this time. But honestly, usually NHL, NBA playoffs are way in the rear view at this point in the year. Hard Knocks right now, if you saw the ratings, it was like less than 25% of what it normally gets. And what I think stinks about it is I've been a Hard Knocks hater. For years now, I used to think it was awesome. It used to provide that behind the scenes look at what an NFL training camp is like. But then once you do that 10 years in a row, uh, how many more times can you really show, hey, this is what an NFL training camp is like? People know at that point. So I thought they kind of got away from what made them great. And they started pursuing these wild entertainment angles on the side and I honestly thought the show kind of jumped the shark with either the Bucks or the last time that they were in LA for the Rams. Or maybe it was the year where JJ Watt was staying late, hitting the bags and the pads after. That themes that seemed so theatrical and, you know, Hollywood like. So I think this year actually 
because of COVID and because of all of the question marks that have been surrounding training camps, preseason, where is it? Every fan is kind of starved for it. And we finally got it Monday, thank goodness, with the fully padded practices uh, around the league. But this show has kind of gotten back to what made it great. I thought after episode one, by showing the fan, hey, this is what an NFL training camp is like during COVID. No one knew what that looked like before. We're getting an inside look at it thanks to Hard Knocks. And just think about it. How many shows, how many movies are out there being made right now? Really not many. Uh, So Hard Knocks is in a unique space right now. I just think it's sports overload right now with the NHL, the NBA bubble, MLB, uh, and every other event that is coming back on the sports landscape. And the NFL is just kind of getting squished out until the regular season starts. You say sports overload. Was that a negative term? No, it's not. Are you kind of sick of what's going on? No, it's not sports overload. It's not a negative term at all. It's just people only have so many eyeballs. And if my eyeballs are on this uh, Trailblazers Lakers game, like it, like they are right now, but only because hard knocks is over. I'm an NFL guy first and foremost, and I'm going to watch that. Uh, But I also understand why the average fan isn't, I w- you are, you're weird right now. If you're a regular fan and you're watching Hard Knocks instead of the many number of sports events that are on. It's true. We are very weird. Yeah, <laughs> I love all the behind-the-scenes NFL well, stuff. Well, we got to do know, This it, is why Jordan. I kind of wanted to talk about this, though, because we have differing opinions. Because I, I, I had to preface with what I said in the opening segment saying that I, I can't do what the Hard Knocks production crew does because I'm not liking this season so far. And that's why we wanted to talk about it because you have a different opinion. Now for everybody who's missed the first two episodes, let's give you a recap because it will literally take 45 (laughs) seconds. In the first episode, they showed us how COVID-19 testing does. Anthony Lynn in the opening scene revealed that he tested positive for the coronavirus. So that was pretty interesting. Apart from that, um, they try, They gave us well, – I forget the kid's name. I have to look it up. There was one character I found really interesting. Do you remember his name off the, off the top? Dante of Dion? The state Dante yeah. Dion. He, he's hysterical. So he's going to be the uh, star for sure. I disagree with Dante Dion. Oh. He's kind of more annoying than okay. anything else, but go ahead. See, you were, you were not the only person to say that, but I think it's hilarious. Oh, my and honestly, gosh. Aaron Donald was because... fake laughing up a storm. Yeah, he Not was. Uh, he, he, I like him because he reminds me of me, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I'm the, I'm the crazy dude on the field just, like, laughing yeah. the whole time, running around covering yeah. people. I guess that's why we both have not seen much action in the <laughs> NFL. Now, um, so, but the, in the second episode, uh, it was revealed that Seth Ryan, I believe yes. his name is, the son yes. of Rex Ryan, who works with the Los Angeles um was it Rams or Chargers? They played I'm getting Clemson. mixed up again. And yeah, they go back and forth so much between the two teams uh, that it's kind of hard to keep track. At sometimes, I think he's with the char- He's with the True. Chargers. Yes, though, but Seth, but, but Seth Ryan, he he tested positive, but it ended up being a false positive. So that was an interesting storyline because he was nervous. He was going to be the the cause the epicenter of a small outbreak in Los Angeles, which would have really halted the NFL's progress in this entire time. Um, And then on top of that, you know, we got some good stuff with Justin Herbert, but we literally had five minutes of B-roll with him throwing the ball in super slow motion that that took up a lot of time. 
And, um, you know, honestly, the best part of the second episode was that flashback they had to Rex Ryan <laughs> dropping F-bombs and he's going to go eat. Like, that was, like, my favorite part. Well, the they episode, did have right? another good flashback with Andrew Whitworth uh, back to the 2009 Cincinnati Bengals uh, where he's talking to Chad Johnson. That was also a good flashback. Uh, so you're telling me you weren't amused with uh, the Chargers defensive backs playing cornhole? That wasn't fun? That wasn't good TV to you? No, that... No, that montage lasted like ten minutes, and I was I was done. So so basically, everyone listening, you can tell that not much has right. happened right now. But but Kevin, I, I wanted to say there is one thing that I thought was going to be addressed in this episode, and it was not. And I don't know if it's because it, it happened too late in the production of this week's episode. But what about Melvin Ingram's con- Melvin Ingram's holdout? What's going on well, with his contract? Well, we did see him featured for one short time in the show, and. It was before the players were putting their pads on and Melvin Ingram is obviously only sitting out for the padded portion. He doesn't want to get hurt. I don't know what the details of his contract dispute are, uh, but he's not apparently, according to reports, going on the field and practicing until that's resolved. Um, I honestly don't really know how you only get how many practices are there? 18, something like that total. Like, there's no preseason. Like, I understand you might want to get paid, but just look at the times right now. Look at how many people, you know, are out of work or, you know, are in a situation that is not normal. And you've got a chance. You're in your athletic prime. I just don't understand how you could be sitting on the sideline right now because of a dispute in the many millions. I mean, he got paid not that long ago, did he not? Didn't he sign a big contract? He didn't. I mean, I'm going to say, you're taking this a lot deeper than I thought you were going to. Like, Kevin Boyler, the philosopher here. I was just saying, that would be, wouldn't that be a perfect point to jump off of in terms of a segment with Hard Knocks? That'd be a perfect thing to focus on in, in a world where we're barely putting pads on for training camp, right? That would be something I thought they would have addressed this week. I don't know if it was too late in the production, but but that is the main storyline going on right now with the Chargers. Yeah, right? it is. Dude, he signed a four-year, $64 million deal just a few years ago. So I, I'm just saying, and, and he's got one more year on his deal, and he's set to be an unrestricted free agent in 2021. So obviously he wants to get paid. He doesn't want to go into a contract year. Um, but this is just a weird year. It's a weird year, and I, 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 I'm loving, and not to totally change the subject, I, I'm actually falling in love with the Tom Brady Buccaneers because of how committed to the work Tom Brady clearly is and how I think the Buccaneers may have like this culture that's brewing right now where they step on the field week one, and I know they're actually they're playing the Saints week one, right? Yeah. So I actually think the Saints are going to be another team that's going to be well-prepared just because there's a lot of continuity year over year and actually several years over year uh, for for New Orleans. But I think that Tampa Bay is going to be one of these teams that's ready to go from the start, and it's because of the work ethic that Tom Brady is instilling. I'm not saying that the Chargers, the Rams, don't have that, uh, but when you have a player in this year, in these times, with the way things are, uh, you know, not practicing – when practice time is so precious and so minimal this year, um, it just rubs me the wrong way. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. And it's interesting because you can kind of see parallels onto the other Los Angeles team. I mean, we saw that Sean McVay giving speeches to his team saying that we're not going to beat ourselves. This is the season where we have to be as focused as ever because of how crazy things are just in the world right now. And then you kind of have Ingram on the sideline talking about fish and if you like to eat the eyes of the fish and stuff like that. I did find that interest. I did find that interesting, but hopefully that's a situation that we kind of get covered um, in, in episode three. Now what I think the, if you had to pick the biggest storyline of hard knocks right now, in my mind, it's either Jalen Ramsey and his, his commitment to the Los Angeles area Okay, yeah, we should recap this for the, for the listeners for sure. So we know that lot, or that uh, Jalen Ramsey is looking for a new contract from the Rams, and he's so confident that he's looking at houses in the Los Angeles area, but he's not just looking at houses. He's having someone go in and set up family photos in these houses and, and renovate it as if it's his own house as he goes towards it and if he wants to purchase it. So we saw that, that those comments from him saying that, when he got the day he got traded from the Jaguars was the best day of his life and that he's committed. He's going to stay in Los Angeles. What do you think about that? Uh, I do think that hard knocks is trying to make that a storyline. I am not surprised that Jalen Ramsey. Let's also remember this is the same guy who backed up to training camp, uh, a Brinks truck a few years ago. Uh, I'm glad that he is feeling at home in LA, but ultimately home for him is going to be wherever the money takes him. And if LA doesn't give him the money that he wants and he's going to be somewhere else. And honestly, if you look at the way LA's, I feel like he missed the wave, the big, you know, wave of LA guys that they're going to sign Todd Gurley, Brandon cooks, you know, Jared Goff, you know, Aaron Donald, whoa, sorry, Jalen Ramsey, uh, the window's shutting. If they don't win this year, basically the window is sh- is shut on the Rams, right? I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, I definitely think their Super Bowl window is shut without making some sort of, you know, I- I'm not re-signing Jalen Ramsey to, you know, a huge market resetting deal if the Rams don't make the playoffs this year. If, if I'm running the Rams, just quite frankly. Um, but I actually thought what was a more interesting storyline, and it definitely wasn't touched on as hardcore as the, as the Jalen Ramsey was. I thought that there was a very small part in the beginning. It was almost extremely understated where Sean McVay called out Jared Goff and was like, what? you didn't seem focused or why did it take you so long to come to break the, the huddle or something along those lines. And Jared Goff kind of had to pick it up. And this is a guy who's going into his fifth NFL season, you know, at, who is very well paid. I don't feel like a head coach should have to tell you at that point. And I've never been a big Jared Goff guy, but these are the little things that I see that, Kind of call it confirmation bias, but when I see that, I go, "Yup, Jared Goff isn't the guy. You're never gonna win with Jared Goff. Uh, you know he'll take you up to the doorstep as he did in uh, Super Bowl Fifty Three, but he won't take you to the promised land." So I thought that that exchange in the beginning kind of understated by the Hard Knocks production team, but pretty telling 
if you're someone who's watching Jared Goff's career closely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting you bring that up, too, because it's very clear what the Hard Knocks crew was trying to do. They were it was at the very beginning of the episode, like you mentioned, and it was about everything getting up, everything picking up tempo, everything from the getting up to the padded practices to the walkthrough, the end of walkthroughs. That's kind of the service that that shot uh, served or, yeah, whatever, the purpose that that shot served. But you're right in the sense of that Jared Goff is a huge storyline. That's why I was kind of interested when the Rams got the, the it was announced the Rams were going to have hard knocks because Jared Goff regressed last year, the year after they got to the Super Bowl. They even restructured his contract this offseason to give them some kind of financial leeway. It's not it's not crazy to say that Jared Goff is on the clock. We need to see if he truly is the future under center, even if he got that extension. So I thought that was a very interesting point by you, especially if you're a guy. He seems like a polarizing figure, right? There has to be some Rams fans who probably think he's the he's the answer and that he's definitely this all-pro guy. And then there's people like us who, who thought he got picked too high and that he didn't exactly make a great transition. He was made by the weapons around him in the defense. So that, that Jared Goff storyline is definitely going to be something to keep an eye it's on. It's definitely more interesting to me than anything that's going on with the chargers. I more like the chargers for the fun storylines. Like Anthony Lynn is kind of becoming a fun character uh, to watch. Um, Austin Eckler had a nice little moment today. Uh, I want more from Joey Bosa, not really getting that. Um, but I feel like the more serious storylines follow the Rams around. And I think it's probably because there's just heavier expectations on the Rams uh, after missing the playoffs last year. I mean, the Chargers had a down year. They're restarting at quarterback after, you know, a, a decade and a half under Phillip Rivers. So it, it's a little more, I don't know if carefree is the right word, but uh, there's a little less pressure, I feel like, on the Chargers, and it shows. Yeah, I feel like you see that between just how the teams have kind of orchestrated themselves, at least with what we've seen in the shots that Hard Knocks has provided, where Sean McVay is running routes, basically. <laughs> He's running as a defensive back trying to cover his Well, how about him, like, sweating in the meetings and, 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 in the first episode, like, drenched in sweat. He's like, I love football. It's like, this guy is going insane. Where Anthony Lynn's, like, barbecuing, brushing stuff with a napkin around his fork. <laughs> He's barbecuing. He's like, yeah, I had COVID this offseason. <laughs> it, it was all right. And Sean McVay is just like, well, the best, one of the best parts we haven't talked about is when that whole scene, when everything was kind of rocketing up and uh, he was yelling at his team and he just goes, he just started humming. What was it? The NBC or ESPN theme? Every football fan who's just like going insane during quarantine and missing football so bad is just like humming the songs, or at least that's me. I, I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> the that's what I, I, intro songs. I listened. I listened. <laughs> I listened to the MB or the NFL on CBS theme when I work out yeah. and I lift weights. It's just on. It's just on repeat. It, it gets me pumped up. Um, but the other thing about the Chargers that I found really interesting, and it, it comes back to another polarizing quarterback, if you will, and that's the rookie Justin Herbert. Is he polarizing? Uh, he was a polarizing. Like people don't really think yeah, anything abs- about absolutely. Him. I, I think he's, he's polarizing he's in definitely a couple senses of the, the word because fourth most interesting rookie quarterback this year at, at, at best, right? Well, I I think that the 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 jury is still out in terms of 
public perception on if well, he's a good not. player he hasn't or not. Played because, a game. Let, but let I'm just say saying that, when it comes to uh, fans thirsting over the storylines and seeing this guy play, uh, Justin Herbert is a fl- is wa- wallpaper. He compared to um, or a wallflower is <laughs> not wallpaper. He's a wallflower <laughs> compared to Tua or Joe Burrow, or even Jordan Love, who everyone knows isn't going to play. There's more people interested in Jordan Love, who we may not see throw a single pass this year because there's no preseason, than Justin Herbert, who's got a very solid chance to start. He's a rookie quarterback who was a first-rounder who has a really good chance to start in a quarterback competition battle after the the role of signal caller has been taken over for the past 15 years. That's a very interesting storyline, and it's even more interesting when you consider the prospect himself. Coming from Oregon, he seemed like he was playing in an offense over the past few years that didn't even fit his playing style, right? So everyone has these different opinions on Herbert. Some people think he's trash. Some people think he has a lot of potential and he might be able to, to rock it up his game at the next level i feel like it's a really interesting storyline especially and i bring it up because we had some in in the first two episodes both times we had these montages of justin herbert throwing the football and all the players around being impressed i don't know if that's just words coming out of players mouths and that's just something they're trying to throw in the show but obviously that rubbed off on people and i've I've noticed it on twitter look yeah because we've got how many court they're featuring Jared Goff and Justin Herbert that we're seeing videos of these beautiful NFL films, HBO caliber montages of their arms. So all he's got to do is look better than Jared Goff. Um, And, you know, I really do think that these film crews can make anybody look or sound any way they want positive or negative. They could have dug in way harder with that Jared Goff scene and made it seem like, this guy's a clown going into his fifth year who doesn't know what he's doing and isn't leading the offense the way he needs to be. That's just not what hard knocks chose to feature. And for whatever reason, I mean, I could tell you why they're at chargers training camp. The chargers have a first round pick and they're saying, film this guy, make him look good. Let's build up hype for him. Uh, because you know, he's a crucial storyline to our show that no one is watching. And I honestly think that, um, most people don't really have an opinion about Justin Herbert and the fact that the Dolphins are looking at Tua was picked one pick before Justin Herbert, correct? Justin Herbert was sixth overall, right? Tua was fifth. The fact that the Dolphins are like, yup, Tua, if he's healthy, he's our starter. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who? That's over. The second Tua is ready to go. Uh, one pick later, Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah, now we're going to start, the Chargers say, we're going to start um, Tyrod Taylor. You know, like, you tell me who's been the better quarterback over the past couple of years. Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tyrod Taylor? Uh, and one guy. Dude, you are, rattle, you are rattling me for a second. <laughs> I want to know your opinion on Justin Herbert as the prospect. You're describing him as a wallflower wallpaper guy. A first-round pick I'm telling you why he's uninteresting. And you're just like, guys, I'm telling gosh. you why he's uninteresting and not even worth our conversation or our breath at this time. But because Hard wow. Knocks is trying to make him a thing, it, that's why you're asking me what my opinion is of Justin Herbert. Do I think Justin Herbert can be a good quarterback? Yeah, I do think that he can be a good quarterback in the NFL if he beats out Tyrod Taylor during his 
rookie year with the Chargers. Not interesting. <laughs> this is a first round quarterback and you're telling me he's not that hard knocks is making him a thing this isn't a third string tight end that whistles with his dad like the dude on the browns and they make him into this thing and he gets cut on the first day of cut days i understand uh, justin uh, herbert's gonna be around that, for a but while. i'm rattled but we'll have plenty of time to talk about him during, when he's interesting sometime later he's not all right mental notes do not bring up <laughs> justin herbert to kevin boilard on this podcast okay um, well, let's let's move on to some other kind of training sure, camp sure. storylines. Obviously, we I yeah, think we've spent it? more time on actual football and hard knocks than hard knocks how, did. How so. good is it that training camp is like back? Like, because they all reported like what during the acclimation period, like a couple weeks ago, and everyone's just like waiting for something to happen. And it's the COVID test. They had to know, all, they had to I register know. multiple ones, and which is it's just crazy though because I feel like without the preseason games. Everyone's looking for those cues, those cues, whether it's on Twitter or on television. If you're someone who watches preseason football and that's your kind of kick in the butt to be like, okay, well, I got to start study my team's depth chart and, you know, see what my rivals are doing and, you know, check injury reports. Uh, that's probably the biggest downside though. Uh, the injuries have been bad the past two days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can start off with Gerald McCoy of the Cowboys. I mean, you and me were talking about that video earlier. It, it, it didn't even look like a, it was a soft drill. A guy put his hands into him and he tripped and his quad. I fell. know, but there had to be something there beforehand because I sent you the tweet from Mike Garofolo, NFL network. He, it was specifically in his contract that said, if any injury specifically one to the right quad, uh, you know, then they don't owe him any money outside of his signing bonus. So, I mean, and that's something that people aren't discussing no. very much right now, which is really, which is rattles me, right? Like that, what was, what did, how did that come to fruition? Was that something they found as a pre-existing um, condition in the that's physical or what? Yes, because I did a quick search. I couldn't, I, I couldn't find many instances of, of him suffering quad injuries recently. So it must've been something that they found during the, uh, during his physical. And I mean, it just good for the Cowboys, I guess, to write that into the contract because all it took was one padded practice uh, for it to fail Jared McCoy. So uh, there was a bunch of other injuries, but that was definitely the biggest one. Yeah, what about uh, – I want to bring up Nick Chubb too. Yeah. Did you see that tackle? I actually that, didn't uh, see the clip, that, but I saw he's got a concussion. It's kind of a bang-bang play. Uh, the The – what was the guy? What was the guy's name? The linebacker from Alabama. He was a former fifth round pick, I believe. Something Mac Mac oh, Wilson, yeah, I Mac think. Wilson. He was um, the one who he tweeted last year uh, after he gave Juju the concussion. He laid out Juju Smith Schuster and yeah. tweeted one and zero in a picture of him standing over Juju. Someone brought it back up into my mentions today, and and they said <laughs> this is this is the Browns little, little uh, you know cosmic justice. There is it not? I was going to say this is the Browns version of like Vontae's yeah, perfect, right? right? Like this is their new enforcer. But, but it was interesting because he, it was a weird kind of bang, bang play. It was, it was definitely his fault. And like even the coach Stefanski said something to him, but uh, so he's in concussion protocol. And today Mac Wilson got carted off with a quote, significant hyperextension yeah. of his knee. And they're waiting on MRI results to come back and, 
he might need season-ending surgery. So that's pretty crazy to happen right at the day after you take out the team star running back, and then you might now be that's, done for the that's year. that's more so cosmic justice. Yeah, you're right. But uh, no, I know uh, that's he's not the only one. I saw several others that are out for the season. That's that's unfortunate. Some more positive or the more kind of news that I like coming out of training camp. Finally, learning a little bit about these position battles. Uh, in particular, the quarterback battle up in New England. Tom Brady's gone. Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jarrett Stidham. I saw some solid stuff about Jarrett Stidham a couple of days ago, and then today was crap on Jarrett Stidham day. Uh, three interceptions, apparently, yep. at practice. Uh, Cam Newton played very, very well from everything I saw on Twitter. Uh, the reports from those who were in attendance at training camp today uh, said that he threw the ball well. Um and then you wrote about Foles and Trubisky in Chicago. What's the latest there? It is a weird situation <laughs> because Matt I Nagy saw the headline. Said, he wants to drag it out as long as possible. Like, what is the benefit? And I've, and I've written a lot. I've, I'll tell you, I've written a lot about this story. At least three or four that are coming to mind right now. And and. It's interesting because he, he wants to draw out this quarterback battle as long as possible. He doesn't want to pick a winner. And he even said when he picks a winner, he's not going to be glued to that guy in the regular season if things go south. This, so so it's not even that he's picked yeah. somebody. He's he's already saying that the winner he picks, he's not so confident. To me, like Mitch Trubisky is going to win the starting job and then Nick Foles is going to pull a Nick Foles because he's only good when he comes off the bench as a backup, if you start the season with Nick Foles, it doesn't work. It's just that it's an anti Foles formula. It doesn't work. He needs to come in and supplant a guy who's got a crisis of confidence. So they, they got to play this out perfectly. And, and maybe Matt Nagy's onto something. Yeah. And the thing is, um, Matt Nagy even said that, Trubisky has a leg up in this competition because of the pandemic and that Foles hasn't been able to get on the same page with his receivers. I mean, I would take a bet that Trubisky starts the year. Foles has to end up coming in. And what if Foles doesn't work out in that sense? Is he going to try to finish the year with Foles if things go really south? Or is Trubisky going to be reinserted? Well, that's a good question, too, because so many people, not so much after this Past year, the Bears had multiple problems, but the past two years cumulative, you kind of feel like this is a good team uh, that's got an elite defense that is probably a quarterback and a reliable kicker away from competing for a Super Bowl. So if Mitch Trubisky supplanted by Nick Foles and Nick Foles is just as bad, then who knows what Mitch Trubisky looks like with a newfound confidence of, Hey, it's not just me. My job's hard. Look, Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP couldn't do it, but that also wouldn't be the first time Nick Foles has failed when inserted into a started lineup, including last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's a very, very interesting quarterback battle. I do agree with you that it's far from over and even when it's declared over, I could see it being an ongoing. It's not. Yeah. Throughout the season. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to follow. And honestly, it sounds like we're both not confident in either guy. Uh, 
And you were kind of the first on the train because I kind of liked Trubisky a couple oh. of years ago. And I remember going over to your house for the first time and you were just like, dude, you're a dumbass. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, and that's right. And I was like, dude, I thought Trubisky was I like, think it was okay. like the, probably the like, first no, time we hung trash. out. First time we hung out at, off the yeah. clock. You're like, nah, he's trash, bro. <laughs> we're hanging out. We're hanging out off the clock for the very first time. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like. I'm like, I don't think he's some star, but I thought he was serviceable. They got double-digit wins. They did well. And you're like, no, go back, watch the film, and he's going to be uh, trash this year. Terrible. Sure enough, that's and exactly no what happened. And you excuse for not knowing that, being from Raleigh. That's how I knew, was watching North Carolina, and he couldn't beat out Marquise Williams for the starting job. And then when he got it, he didn't do anything special. He, he, he led. I was, I was higher on him with the bears than I was with UNC when he came in and did okay and got them to what well, their defense did, but he played well enough to get them but, to the postseason and they should have won that game. I didn't think he was anything at North Carolina, like the number two overall pick oh. is crazy to me. So I was with you on that, but I, my, the tide started to turn for me when, when he got to the NFL and he did okay. Once he you also playing. have to realize too, that just the law of averages tell you, like once you see Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes emerging as the quarterbacks that they seem to be, uh, law of averages tell you that there's not going to be three, you know, elite quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks of a draft. So someone's the odd man out. And in this case, it was Mitchell Trubisky and the bears traded up to two. They traded up to two to get him. Yeah, every time I go on the radio in Chicago, that's that's what they like bring up. Like from a national perspective, they're like, "How stupid do you think we are that we weren't able to get Patrick Mahomes there's or Deshaun Watson?" Chicago is one of those fan bases that's just so self-loathing. The Eagles were kind of like that before they won the Super Bowl, and they've undergone a transition since then. Um, there's several others. Like, the Eagles are still like that. Obviously, Detroit, um, like Cleveland any historic losing franchise or, you know, the glory days are so far gone that uh, now it's just all desolate despair. I kind of love talking to those fans. So Chicago fans are among my favorites. Plus they have great history too. So it's not like just all, it's kind of like you can complain for, if you're a Jaguars fan, I guess it's an okay comparison. It's like, Oh, I'm complaining about being a Jaguars fan because they always stink. It's like, yeah, but they've only had teams since the mid-90s, and they were never good. So, like, you don't even really know what it's like to have a good team to know what it's like to have a team that stinks. The Bears have a fantastic history, and it's just this franchise that, like, they hold such high standards for it. And even when you look at, like, you know, the Cubs have been good. The Bulls obviously had their – uh 90s dynasty like Chicago sports has had an experience and taste greatness and like there's something about there being like this embarrassing utterly embarrassing punchline of the league quarterback as their starter that like it can't it couldn't have happened in a better place than Mitch Trubisky and sounds like Nick Foles (laughs) I agree with you. It sounds like Nick Foles is just going to be the placeholder. The Bears definitely have to go quarterback in the first round next year. We might be we might be jumping ahead of ourselves, but that's definitely where you and me are leaning towards right now. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Off the Clock. Jordan and Janie, Kevin Boiler. We're going to go drink some more beer. Catch you guys next time.